It's, it is good to be here and feel uh, the Spirit moving. I pray that uh, God would be with us as we uh, get ready to dig into His Word. We will be in Revelation chapter 13 this morning. Uh, we are continuing right along in the book of Revelation. So if you want to uh, be turning there, you can. We have got a lot of ground to cover this week. We covered a lot of ground this week. And the book of Revelation is is pretty intense, I guess, for lack of a better better term. We've looked at some pretty uh, some pretty crazy stuff over the last few months, and we are continuing right along today. Revelation chapter thirteen. We will attempt, Lord willing, to get through uh, the whole chapter this morning. While you guys are turning, just to uh, remind you of a few things, I won't get to be here with you next week. Sadly, I. Uh, well, I'm sad I won't get to be here with you guys, but I am honored and privileged that I get to go to uh, see our brothers and sisters in Christ at Ebenezer. I got the opportunity to go uh, preach the word to them next Sunday, so looking forward to that. And it, it worked out pretty good because we have a special guest that kind of uh, sprung a, uh, sprung the news on us that he would be here uh, this coming up week, and that is uh, Pastor Kelly Fleury from Haiti, who runs the orphanage uh, that we are able to help out. And so he will get here Tuesday. You guys keep him and his father-in-law in your prayers as they uh, travel from Florida up here. They should get here around 6 o'clock Tuesday night, and they will be with us all that week. And Pastor Kelly is going to bring the message to you guys Wednesday night at church. And he's also going to preach to you guys next Sunday morning. So you'll get to hear some good preaching for a change. So that'll be good. And um, he's a little nervous about the language barrier. He is 100% Haitian, born and raised there. But he does speak English. And he speaks pretty good English. But he still has an accent. And so if there's something he says that you don't understand, we, we can, we'll try our best to make it understandable. But I don't think there will be any problems. And he is excited to get to come see you guys. And I just hate I won't get to be here to hear him preach, but I've heard him preach before in Haiti, and he's going to uh, bring God's Word to you, and it's going to be a good day. So I would encourage you guys to come back, if you if you could, next week to be able to meet him. He wants to meet everybody, and uh, so I want as many people to be here as can uh, to be able to meet him and get to know him a little bit. Some of you have, but some of you have never gotten to meet him. So put that on your calendar for next week, and we will dig in. Revelation chapter 13. Last week we looked at some pretty, some pretty gnarly stuff. We, we read about this dragon uh, with seven heads and ten horns. Uh, we, we read about uh, the nation of, of Israel. We see all this intense symbolic language. We see uh, this woman and this dragon. And what we learned last week is that it's not a, a, a literal woman and a literal dragon, but it is symbolic of the nation of Israel. And the end times, as times begin to draw to a close. It was what we looked at last week was a lot of things that happened in the past. It was talking about Jesus Christ and how through the nation of Israel, through the bloodline, eventually our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ came to be. And the dragon, whom uh, the text told us was Satan himself, he just, he just, just tried his best to destroy the nation of Israel. He tried his best to keep the seed of the woman from Genesis chapter 3 that God said would ultimately be the destroyer of Satan, that is Jesus Christ. And we saw last week kind of a recapping of everything that had taken place and also kind of a glimpse into the future of how things are going to be. Now from John's time up until now, we've seen some of those things from Revelation chapter 12 take place. There's constant persecution still of the nation of Israel. Now we saw last week that the devil is lost. When Jesus Christ died on the cross and rose again three days later, 
praise the Lord, he won the victory. So the devil is lost, and we saw last week that he had been cast to earth. We see that in our world today. We see all kind of things that the devil has his hand in. We see that he has deceived people. We see evil running rampant in our world today. And we see that as the end times draw near, that we will see continual persecution of the nation of Israel, as well as those of us who are in Christ that are Gentiles, as the Bible would call us. That is, we're not born Israelites, but we are God's children nonetheless. We are adopted into the fold. We are still brothers and sisters of Christ. We are still sons and daughters of God because we have accepted Jesus Christ. And as a result, the devil wishes to bring much persecution and death upon us. He wants to keep us from doing in God's word, it 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 just it kills the devil that me and a million other pastors across this world on this Sunday morning and many other days of the week preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. He doesn't want that to happen. He doesn't want you to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ today. He does not want you to hear God's word. He wants you to think about what you got to do next week. He wants you to think about what you did last week. He wants you to think of everything in the world except for hearing what God's word says today. He doesn't want you to hear what the Holy Spirit may have to speak. If you don't know Jesus Christ, he doesn't want you to know Jesus Christ. And if you do know Jesus Christ, he doesn't want you to live for Jesus Christ. And so we see from the text last week that the devil is working hard and we see that in our world today. Now, one thing we read about last week was we saw this description of the dragon, that is the devil, and he had these seven heads and these ten horns. And so you can imagine uh, how how just insanely evil this, this description of the devil is. Can you imagine this beast with all these heads and these horns? And what we saw is that it's not a literal beast, as I mentioned, but it is symbolic. And I didn't talk too much about those things last week, but we are going to talk about those things this week and what those heads and horns mean and try to understand a little bit about what God's Word says. And I wanted to give you a little background on last week. That's kind of the lengthy introduction so we can understand what we were talking about this week because this is some kind of some hard stuff to follow. So we're going to try our best, by the grace of God, to uh, follow and understand what His Word says. We'll read through the whole text, and then we'll pray, and then we will dig in. Revelation chapter 13, starting in verse 1. Also, another note, we talked last week about how some translations have verse 18 in chapter 12. Some put uh, the end of chapter 12 as verse 1 uh, in chapter 13. It's neither here nor there. Those were human numbers that were added much later. Uh, but your translation may read a little different. So if you have a translation that has chapter 12 and a verse 18, that is where we will start. And if that's not crazy enough and difficult enough, some translations translate <laughs> that it is John who stood on the sands of the seashore and seeing the rest of this vision. And some translations say that it is the dragon who we've previously read about who is standing on the seashore as we lead up into uh, chapter 13. That's debatable as to which one it is. It doesn't affect the gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus still died on the cross. He rose, praise the Lord. But your translation may say I, meaning John, or it may say the dragon, or it may say he. I believe that probably the most accurate translation there is going to be he, that is the dragon, whom we read about. Satan himself is the one who is standing on the seashore. So your Bible may be a little different on that verse, and so I just wanted to clear that up before we dug in. Uh, so here we go. Revelation chapter 13, verse 1. 
he, that is the dragon, stood on the sand of the sea. And I saw a beast coming up out of the sea. He had ten horns and seven heads. On his horns were ten diadems, and on his heads were blasphemous names. The beast I saw was like a leopard. His feet were like a bear's, and his mouth was like a lion's mouth. The dragon gave him his power, his throne, and great authority. One of his heads appeared to be fatally wounded, but his fatal wound was healed. The whole earth was amazed and followed the beast. They worshipped the dragon because he gave authority to the beast. And they worshipped the beast, saying, Who is like the beast? Who is able to wage war against him? A mouth was given to him to speak boasts and blasphemies. He was also given authority to act for 42 months. He began to speak blasphemies against God to blaspheme the name at his dwelling, those who dwell in heaven. And he was permitted to wage war against the saints and to conquer them. He was also given authority over every tribe, people, language, and nation. All those who live on the earth will worship him, everyone whose name was not written from the foundation of the world and world in the book of life of the lamb who was slaughtered. If anyone has an ear, he should listen. If anyone is destined for captivity, into captivity he goes. If anyone is to be killed with a sword, with a sword he will be killed. This demands the perseverance and faith of the saints. Then I saw another beast coming up out of the earth. He had two horns like a lamb, but he sounded like a dragon. He exercises all the authority of the first beast on his behalf and compels the earth and those who live on it to worship the first beast, whose fatal wound was healed. He also performs great signs, even causing fire to come down from heaven to earth in front of people. He deceives those who live on the earth because of the signs that he is permitted to perform on behalf of the beast. Telling those who live on the earth to make an image of the beast who had the sword wound and yet lived, he was permitted to give a spirit to the image of the beast, so that the image of the beast could both speak and cause whoever would not worship the image of the beast to be killed. And he requires everyone, small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to be given a mark on his right hand or on his forehead, so that no one can buy or sell unless he has the mark, the beast's name, or the number of his name. Here is wisdom. The one who has understanding must calculate the number of the beast because it is the number of a man. His number is 666. Let's pray. Father God, I come to you this morning and I pray that you would help these words to speak to us, that your Holy Spirit would decipher for us to help us to understand, God. We are looking at some serious stuff this morning some stuff that maybe we don't understand and maybe we won't ever understand in this life. But I pray that you help us not to miss the point of the text. God, even in this kind of scary stuff that we read this morning, that you would be glorified. God, you give us your word for a reason. It's not to confuse us, but it's to prepare us, to get us ready for what may come in the future, dear Lord, so that the enemy does not deceive us and catch us by surprise. So I pray, God, that we would uh, hear your word this morning. <clears throat> that you would speak through me, God, that your Holy Spirit would move among these people, that you would hide me behind the cross, and that you would receive all the glory today. 
So I pray that your Holy Spirit would just be with us this morning. In Jesus' name I pray it. Amen. Now we've got a lot of stuff in this verse today. Lord willing, we will make it through the whole chapter. I will try my best. We may be a little long, so bear with me. We'll try to cover. We'll go till God tells us to stop. But we see a lot of stuff in the text today. We saw the dragon, Satan, last week. And we saw him described as a, as a dragon with seven heads and ten horns. But now we see a different character enter the scene. And he is called the beast. Now we see the term beast used on a few different occasions through the book of Revelations, and it can refer to different people. So we will have to follow along closely and try to understand as best we can uh, what God's Word is trying to tell us with all these different beasts. And so we have the first dragon, the devil, who is the beast with the seven heads and the ten horns, and now we have another beast with the same description. I believe that is saying that this next beast that comes is of Satan. He is empowered by Satan. We see that explained to us in the text. Verse 1, he stood on the sand of the sea, and I saw a beast coming up out of the sea. He had ten horns and seven heads. On his horns were ten diadems, or some translations, crowns. Maybe easier for us to understand. And on his head were blasphemous names. Now, we get a good description of, of what this is later on in the book of Revelation. We also see this same language. As we read on, we see the beast described as like a, like a lion and like a bear. And we see all these same things also in the book of Daniel. Now, if you study Revelation in detail and you want to understand a little more about it and kind of put some pieces into place, it would be good for you to go back and read in the book of Daniel. In particular, Daniel chapter 7 and on further. We see these same things that are revealed to John in this vision revealed to Daniel in the book of Daniel. And so these things have not changed. It has been hundreds of years since God revealed this vision to Daniel. And this vision is still the same as what it was uh, when John saw it. We see the same type of language, and we have a description. Sometimes uh, we, we're kind of left to wonder, understand what God's Word means. Sometimes we don't really understand exactly what it means, but sometimes the Bible tells us what the symbols mean. Sometimes the Bible tells us plain out exactly what the symbols stand for. Last week we saw the symbol of the dragon, but we were told a few verses later that it was the devil himself. And so now we have this seven heads and this ten horns, and we are left to wonder, what does this symbolic language mean? Well, we are told in Revelation chapter 17, if you want to turn there, you can, and we are going to be told exactly what this language means. Revelation chapter 17, we're going to start in about verse 8. I won't go into a whole lot of detail about everything in these few verses since we'll be there in a few weeks, but we will get a little bit of an understanding of who these seven heads and ten crowns are that we see on this beast. Revelation 17 verse 8, The beast that you saw was and is not and is about to come up from the abyss and go to destruction. Those who live on the earth, whose names have not been written in the book of life from the foundation of the world, will be astonished when they see the beast that was and is not, and will be present again. Here is the mind with wisdom. The seven heads are seven mountains on which the woman is seated. Now we see the word woman there. That's not the same woman that we saw 
last week that we looked at. The woman last week was the nation of Israel. This is a different woman. This is an evil woman, but we'll go into more details about that uh, in the coming weeks. Verse 10. They are also seven kings. Five have fallen. One is. The other has not yet come. And when he comes, he must remain for a little while. So what we see is that these seven heads of this beast, who is the Antichrist, this beast that we're seeing in these verses today, these seven heads represent seven superpowers, I guess you could call them as such. And it says in the text that five had fallen. Now, when we read the Old Testament, we see a lot of nations that become very powerful. And they, uh, they don't look favorably on the nation of Israel. They always are trying to destroy the nation of Israel. They're giving them a hard time. And we see these five nations that come to prominence in the Old Testament, but they all have lost their power. The five that we see in the Old Testament that come to power are Egypt, Assyria, uh, Medo-Persia, Greece, and we also see uh, Babylon along in there in the Old Testament. And it says that five had fallen. Those are the five that we've seen fallen in the Old Testament. That's clear to see. Uh, if you want to go back and read, it's a lot of reading, but, uh, but it's there. And uh, it says that one is. Now, at the time of John, when he was writing this, there was a superpower who was uh, persecuting the Christian people. And that was Rome. That was Rome was a superpower of the day. It didn't look very favorably on the Christians. Paul desired to get to Rome so that he could preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. He was trying to reach these people, and that was the superpower that was. And the text here in Revelation 17 says that there is one to come. And so to this point in our history, we have seen six that we for sure know about, and I believe that the, that the seventh is still to come. Perhaps it is coming to power right now as we speak. I don't know. But we see a seventh nation, a seventh place that is going to come to prominence that is going to get great power and is probably going to begin to persecute the Christian people. It's going to try to eliminate the Christian faith, uh, eliminate the people of God as we see so often with these nations in the Old Testament. Let's read a little further. The beast that was and is not is himself an eighth king. Yet he belongs to the seven and is going to destruction. So what would appear from the reading of the text is that there will be a seventh nation, a seventh kingdom that is going to come and is going to rise to prominence. And then once that takes place, that there is going to be one that comes from that seventh nation or one of these other nations that is going to come back to power who is going to receive power. He is going to be the eighth, and he is going to be uh, kind of the leader of the other seven, so to speak. And so we are going to see this person rise to power, and this person that we are talking about is the same person that is mentioned in Revelation, uh, Revelation chapter 13, the one who is the Antichrist. The beast who was and is not is himself an eighth king, yet he belongs to the seven and is going to destruction. The ten horns you saw are ten kings who have not yet received a kingdom, but they will receive authority as kings with the beast for one hour. These have one purpose, and they give their power and authority to the beast. These will make war against the Lamb, but the Lamb will conquer them because He is Lord of lords and King of kings. Those with Him are called chosen and faithful. 
So here we have the ten horns. We are going to see that seventh kingdom rise. From that we are going to see an eighth, which is going to be one who will rise to power. And then we are going to see uh, ten horns, which represent ten kingdoms which will come. Perhaps a collaboration of ten nations who will come together. Perhaps some of these that we've looked at that have fallen in the past, some of these European nations in that area will begin to rise to power. Now, maybe uh, 50 or 100 years ago, you would say, well, that part of the world's never going to rise to power. They're never going to be of anything great. You look back at all these nations that have fallen in Babylon and in Egypt and Greece and Rome. These are not what we would call superpowers in today's age and time. But what we are going to see, I believe, as the end times come and these uh, ten kingdoms are formed, these ten kings rise, is we are going to see a culmination of ten uh, countries that are going to come together and they are going to be led by the Antichrist. Now we see in the book of Daniel that the Antichrist is going to come and he is going to uh, promote peace for Israel. He's going to be on Israel's side, so to speak. And then halfway through this tribulation period, he's going to turn his back on Israel. Now, again, 1,500 years ago, you'd say, you couldn't see this stuff happening. But nowadays, you turn on the news, and you can kind of see that these things are very possible. You begin to see these nations around Israel. You begin to see them forming with one another. You begin to see uh, so many nations who are against Israel today. And so it's not that hard for us to imagine that there could be some kind of rising, some kind of culmination, collaboration of nations uh, in, in the Middle East and in that area that could rise as end times begin to come. Now, these ten nations that are going to rise, they're going to give all of their power to the Antichrist. So what we're going to have here is a person who is essentially going to have the world, so to speak, on his side. And so we have a good explanation of what these horns and what these heads mean in the book of Revelation. It tells us itself what these are symbolic of. Now, back to Revelation chapter 13. Midway through verse 2, it says, The dragon gave him his power, his throne, and great authority. One of his heads appeared to be fatally wounded, but his fatal wound was healed. The whole earth was amazed and followed the beast. Now we know that, that Satan has some power. God allows him to have some power. Satan can do some intense things, at least on this earth. And what we see here is Satan, the dragon, he gives his power and his authority to this beast that is mentioned in Revelation 13, that is, the Antichrist. We also see that one of the heads is fatally wounded. So it would appear as though that one of these nations possibly uh, looks like they're going to be defeated, and even through all that, they rise. Through the power of the devil, he is able to keep this, this, this evil group of nations and people together to try to thwart God's plan, although he won't be able to. It could be saying that the, the Antichrist himself is fatally wounded. We see some more references as we go through chapter 13. It is possible that the Antichrist himself receives some kind of fatal wound and is able to overcome that by the power of the devil. 
ever what takes place here, what we begin to see in Revelation chapter 13 is this being, this Antichrist, who I believe is a, a real living person. Perhaps he's already born and living in this world today. If, if the end is close, perhaps whenever the time comes, he's going to be born. But I believe it's going to be a, a literal person who is going to receive this power from the devil. He is going to be someone who is going to be able to woo the nations of the world and convince them they need to follow him, probably along the lines of, of world peace and everything being good and, and one new world order and everybody working together and let's all, let's all be happy and just all agree on everything. He is going to make that same slick like he can be one that can offer peace. I believe that that is what is going to take place when the Antichrist comes and the people of the world are going to be deceived by it. The people who are not of Christ are going to be deceived by it. Now we see in Revelation chapter 17 that it tells us that those of us who are in Christ who have wisdom, that, that we are aware of these things, that they are amazing and astonishing and a surprise, so to speak, to the world of unbelievers. But to those of us who are in Christ, praise the Lord, he gives us his book. He gives us the book of Revelation. And so we, as Christians, we read these things and we look out into our world today and we see these things taking place and it's not a surprise to us that the world is going in the direction that it's going. Why? Because we've been told that this is how the world is going to go. But for a lost and dying world that does not read God's word, that does not trust in Jesus Christ, that is looking for hope, and we live in a world that is looking for hope, when this one comes and he comes uh, saying whatever he says that deceives the people, it is going to sound so good, he is going to have so much power that people are going to be deceived by the Antichrist, but not those of us who are in Christ. You say, why does God give us all this confusing stuff that doesn't make sense? Why don't we even have the book of Revelation? God is letting his people know. He's trying to give a warning to those who aren't his, and he's trying to give a warning to those who are his. Look, pay attention to these things as they take place. They worship the dragon, verse 4, they worship the dragon because he gave authority to the beast. And they worshiped the beast, saying, Who is like the beast? Who is able to wage war against him? Now imagine, if you will, when this day comes, you have a, a person, this Antichrist, who is all-powerful. He has the power of the devil, so he can probably do all kind of crazy things. Plus, he seems like he has uh, the, uh, the backing and support of all these nations and all these other national leaders, at least a large portion of them. And the people who are following him and worshiping the dragon... Worshiping the dragon, they should be worshiping the Lord God. God has given them every opportunity to repent. God has given them His Word. God has given them His Son. And then out of the blue, the devil is so deceiving, he pops onto the scene, and people begin to worship the dragon instead of the Lord. And the people say, who can stand against him? He is going to seem like a figure and a person that cannot be defeated. In the eyes of the world, the one that they have been looking for, their Savior, who he will not be, only Jesus Christ is the Savior, but they think that this one, this Antichrist, is going to be their Savior and give them all they need and take care of everything, and they begin to worship him, they begin to worship the dragon who gives them power, and things are getting bad. Things have already gotten bad in the book of Revelation. We have seen this thing build up and build up. 
We've seen Jesus warn us early on in the book of Revelation, things to look out for. We have seen God's judgment poured out on an unrepentant humanity. We have seen God's wrath poured out. We have seen uh, the, the uh, destruction of the enemy as he comes and, and brings evil into this world. And we are seeing a progression. As times get closer to the end, things are going to get worse and worse. Now, I believe we're getting close to those times. I may be wrong. I'm not telling you I know the day, but I believe that we need to listen to God's word. I think we're getting close. And here we see exactly what's going to take place as the end comes. A mouth was given to him to speak boast and blasphemies. He was also given authority to act for 42 months. He began to speak blasphemies against God, to blaspheme his name and his dwelling, those who dwell in heaven, and he was permitted to wage war against the saints and to conquer them. <clears throat> now we need to listen to that. If you're a Christian and you're in this place, now, I know we've talked about the rapture and the possibilities that the church could be gone at this point, but the book of Revelation is difficult in that, and it is very possible, Christian, that we will be here during these times. It is possible that these saints are talked about are those who may have been saved after the rapture of the church, but it is also possible that the saints that are being waged war against are those who are in Christ, those Christians who are here, who are waiting for Jesus Christ to return and bring them home. And that is not something that we need to take lightly. Because the Bible never once says in the book of Revelation that it is going to be easy for those who are in Christ. It never once says that. If you flip to the book of Revelation chapter 20, you can. You don't have to. I'm just going to read one quick verse here. Revelation chapter 20, verse 4. This is after all this takes place when Jesus is coming back and he's going to reign and all is going to be well. But here's what we see in verse 4. Then I saw thrones and people seated on them who were given authority to judge. I also saw the people who had been beheaded because of their testimony about Jesus because of God's word. Who had not worshipped the beast or his image and who had not accepted the mark on their foreheads or their hands. And so here we see that these who are opposed to the beast, that is, those who trust in the Lord, who have accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we see that they are beheaded. Now, we see that they are victorious, that Jesus come, that they have been resurrected, that they have received victory in Jesus Christ. But that does not negate the fact that they faced a difficult time in the tribulation. Because they refused to worship the beast, they were put to death. Again, 15, uh, 50, 100 years ago, 15, 20 years ago even. If we would have said Christians are going to be beheaded, and it's going to be uh, just extremely difficult times for Christians all around the world. Now, there always has been to some extent. We would have said Christians beheaded, that's nonsense. But nowadays and age, we, we, we read this verse, and it doesn't seem so crazy, at least not to me. Why? Because we turn on our news and we read the Internet and we see all the time Christians being beheaded. Go figure. It's exactly what God's word said was going to happen. Who would have thought it? God's word's not wrong. God's word gets it right. God's word spells it out for us. And so for us as Christians, there may come a day where we are faced with some difficult times, where we are faced with this one who is the Antichrist, this one who is going to demand that we worship him. But Christian, our allegiance is not to the Antichrist. Our allegiance is to Jesus Christ. But, 
But here's what happens with the Antichrist. Here's what he does. It's, it's, it's he, he offers a, a quick fix, something that's fast acting. I don't know if you've ever been to the drugstore before. Maybe you were sick and you needed some medicine. You go and there's like a thousand bottles of medicine and you're looking at them and they're the same brand or the same kind. You look, and one of them says fast acting. And then you look over a couple bottles over and then you see one that says long lasting. And you have to figure out, well, do I want to feel better now or do I want to feel better later? And that's kind of what we see here with the Antichrist. What the Antichrist is going to offer when he comes is something that's fast acting. He's going to say, I can make everything good. I can make everything better. I can make you feel better. I can make the world better. And it will seem like for a time that he is doing that. It will seem like what he is doing is fast acting. He wants you to swallow his pill, his pill so to speak. But what God offers is long lasting. That is, we suffer a little bit in the beginning. In the early parts of it, we don't get uh, immediately restored. We don't get immediately taken care of. God says, hold on, it's going to be hard times. You're going to have to feel bad for a little while. You're going to have to go through some hard stuff for a little while. But in the end, what God gives us, the pill that he wants us to swallow, that is Jesus Christ, is long-lasting. So we suffer in the short term, but in the long term, we have an eternity that we are with Jesus Christ and God, our Lord and Savior, and no more tears and no more suffering, no more nothing. But what the devil, the Antichrist, is going to offer is a, is a quick fix. And there will be some who will be deceived, and they will get a quick fix, and they will feel good for a little while, but then in the long term, that will wear off, and they will have an eternity of suffering. And that's what we see with the Antichrist here. He's offering a quick fix and it deceives people. But what God's Word is telling us, suffer, stand in there, be patient, don't give in, have perseverance. You will be victorious, even though you're going to have to face the difficulties. Let's read on a little further. All those who live on earth will worship Him, everyone whose name was not written from the foundation of the world in the book of life of the Lamb who was slaughtered. So all the world is going to worship this Antichrist, except those who are in Jesus Christ. So there are going to be some on this earth who are Christians at this point in time. And while all the world is deceived, those of us who are in Christ are not, because we have received the Holy Spirit. We can tell the difference between the devil and the Lord. Because we have God's Word. We can tell the difference between the devil and the Lord. And so those whose names were written in the Lamb's Book of Life will not worship the beast. Won't do it. It goes on to say, If anyone has an ear, he should listen. If anyone is destined for captivity, into captivity he goes. If anyone is to be killed with a sword, with a sword he will be killed. Now listen to this part. This is good stuff. We need to hear this. This demands the perseverance and faith of the saints. This demands the perseverance and the faith of the saints. Why? Because this will be difficult times. This will try our patience. But we must never forget, never forget, Christian, that God is faithful to fulfill His promise. And God can do that because Jesus Christ has won the victory. It may seem as though God has abandoned His people. It may seem as though the Antichrist is going to win. But I can assure you and guarantee you that because of Jesus Christ and what He did on the cross, He will not win. 
We need not forget that, Christian. No matter how bad our world looks, we must persevere. We must be about God's work. We serve a Lord who is victorious. It's not like well, we've got to wait and see what happens. Maybe he's going to win. Maybe he's going to lose. He's already won. And so we can rest on that, and we pray that God would give us strength if hard times come. When those times of persecution come, when the time comes that we're laying there and the possibility of being beheaded, we need to pray that God give us strength. We need to pray that God give us faith. God never tells us it's going to be easy, but he says he's going to be with us. And so we need to pray that God would be with us and that we would have that perseverance that the Bible calls us to. We read on a little further. Then I saw another beast coming up out of the earth. He had two horns like a lamb, but sounded like a dragon. And so here, we're kind of beginning to see uh, something that we're familiar with in God's Word. Now, God is perfect, and He made a perfect plan, and a perfect everything fall into place. And so what we see is we see God, and we see Jesus Christ, and we see the Holy Spirit. We call that the Trinity. Now, we don't see that word in the Bible, but we see those three things. God is here, and then he sends Jesus Christ to be the Savior of our sins. And when Jesus leaves, he said, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. And that is what tugs on our heart. That's what helps us to realize, hey, we're sinners in need of a Savior. That's what helps us to realize when we're not living according to what God wants us to do. And so we see those three in God's ultimate perfect plan. And the devil, who has no creativity, and he can't come up with a better plan because there is no better plan, he takes God's exact blueprint. And so here, instead of God, we have the dragon, the one who is Satan himself, who is powerful. And then we have the Antichrist, that is, the opposite of Jesus Christ, where Jesus came to serve the people and love the people. The Antichrist comes to deceive the people and to destroy the people. And then we also have this false prophet here, one who is going to promote the Antichrist, one who is going to possibly be a religious leader who is going to convince people that they need to follow this Antichrist. Now he comes and is also deceiving. He has the appearance of a lamb, much like our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. But his voice is like a dragon. And so while he may appear on the outside to be one who is good, when he begins to open his mouth and when he begins to speak, then we begin to see that he is of Satan. Where There will be no doubt. Why? Because he will be promoting the Antichrist and not Jesus Christ. He exercises all the authority of the first beast on his behalf and compels the earth and those who live on it to worship the first beast whose fatal wound was healed. He also performs great signs, even causing fire to come down from heaven to earth in front of people. Now, I believe that's literal fire. I don't believe that's symbolic. Maybe it is. But I believe that this false prophet, we'll call him, is going to be able to have all these powers that the Bible says. Now, this is not uncommon. We see uh, even the prophets of God call down fire from heaven. We see Elijah do it in the Old Testament. And so what we're going to see is we're going to see one who is the dragon, who is powerful. He gives his power to the Antichrist, who is going to deceive the people, who is going to seem all-powerful. And then we see this same power and authority used in the false prophet who is telling people to worship the Antichrist. And he is going to be able to do crazy and miraculous things. I mean, can you imagine what it's going to be like when people see fire call down from heaven and this false prophet caught and it happens? People who don't know of Jesus Christ and God's Word, they're going to say, this person's powerful, and they're going to do whatever he says. 
But we as Christians, we need to know better. Those of us who are in Christ, we know better. We know this is not of God. When Jesus Christ comes back, trust me, you will know. You won't have to question it. You won't have to doubt. you say, well, maybe he's the one. I don't know if he's the one. You will know when Jesus Christ returns. And so we see exactly what these Antichrist and false prophet are up to in these verses so that we won't be deceived when the time comes. He deceives those who live on earth because of the signs that he is permitted to perform on behalf of the beast. Telling those who live on the earth to make an image of the beast who had the sword wound yet and yet lived. He was permitted to give a spirit to the image of the beast so that the image of the beast would both speak and cause whoever would not worship the image of the beast to be killed. Now, I don't really understand what that means. I'll just be honest with you guys. I don't know. It talks about that this image would be made and that he would be able to, to speak and that whoever wouldn't worship this image of the beast would be killed. I don't have a clue what that's going to be. Perhaps it's going to be some idol that is made that people buy that looks like this beast. I don't really know what that means. But we as Christians know that we will worship no idol, we will worship no beast, we worship no one except for Jesus Christ. We will not be deceived if we know what God's Word says. A little further. And requires everyone, small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to be given a mark on his right hand or on his forehead, so that no one can buy or sell unless he has the mark, the beast's name, or the number of his name. Here is the wisdom. The one who has understanding must calculate the number of the beast because it is the number of a man. His number is 666. Now, those couple of verses leave a lot of discussion. Now these things have been debated and discussed for hundreds and hundreds of years and nobody has figured out what they mean and we're not going to figure it out today. I wish I could tell you I knew exactly what this mark of the beast meant, what this having wisdom to figure out the number of his name. There have been many who have tried to figure out. Some say it was Nero back in the time of Rome. I don't have a clue don't have a clue who this person is going to be. I don't have a clue what this mark is going to be. But I don't think it's something that we're going to get slipped in on us that we're not going to be aware of. It would appear as though from reading the text, it is a decision that we will clearly have to make. We will clearly have to choose, am I going to worship the Lord or am I going to submit to the power of the beast? We see as we read later on in Revelation that there are some who do not take the mark of the beast. And so there will be a clear, I think, opportunity and distinction. It's not like, it's not your credit card, it's not your cell phone, it's not going to be something that just all of a sudden the, the Antichrist slips in there on you and you don't know and you've got the mark. I believe it will be something that we will willingly have to make the choice, if we are here or whoever's here, will willingly have to make the choice, I am going to serve the beast. Now some would say it's a spiritual mark, that it's not a physical mark. I believe that it's a physical mark because it says you won't be able to buy food. And that's a scary thought. For a world who is lost and dying and deceived by the Antichrist when they're starving and they don't know what's going on and this one offers them, look, I'll get you food. All you got to do is follow me. That's going to seem like a good idea. But for those of us who are in Christ, we are going to know that that is a horrible idea. We are going to know that that's of the devil, that we are not fed, so to speak, by the Antichrist. We are fed by God, by God's Word, by Jesus Christ. That is what keeps us going, and that is what will sustain us until we get to a perfect and wonderful eternity. 
I got one more verse, set of verses I want to read to you guys. I know we, we covered a lot of ground today, but we are going to turn to uh, the book of Daniel. If you want to, you can do that. If not, you don't have to. It's going to be in the Old Testament, kind of toward the back quarter of the Old Testament of your Bible. Daniel chapter 7. We talked about it a few minutes ago. I would encourage you to go back and read those 7, 8, and 9 and some of those other chapters if you want to do some homework. Although I won't test you on it, so have no fear. Daniel chapter 7. And what we see in the book of Revelation and what we see in this revelation that was given to Daniel is we see the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. The book of Daniel was written hundreds of years before Jesus Christ came. The book of Revelation talks about things that's going to happen maybe in our lifetime or maybe hundreds of years down the road, but they are going to happen. God told Daniel they were going to happen, and God told John they were going to happen in the book of Revelation. And we as Christians know they're going to happen through what God's Word says. And here is what we can have some assurance about. In Daniel chapter 7, we've talked about some heavy stuff, some hard times, a scary dragon, an antichrist, and a false prophet that seem as though they are all powerful, that seem as though they are going to wage war against everything, and there will be no one to stop them. But we have hope. We have the assurance that that is not the case. Daniel chapter Chapter 7, verse 9. This is Daniel speaking here. He says, As I kept watching, thrones were set in place, and the Ancient of Days took his seat. His clothing was white like snow, and his, the hair of his head like the whitest wool. His throne was flaming fire, its wheels were blazing fire. A river of fire was flowing, coming out from his presence. Thousands upon thousands served him. Ten thousand times ten thousands stood before him. The court was convened and the books were open. Now here we see the same language, the same wonderful throne that we've seen in heaven before the Father. We see this explained here and we've seen it explained in the book of Revelation. And we see these books open. We see about the book of life in uh, Revelation. We saw that mentioned today. And here we see the same thing. We see uh, thousands upon thousands upon thousands before the throne. The same vision that John saw in the book of Revelation. These are things that are going to take place ultimately in Jesus Christ returns. Verse 11, I watched then because of the sound of the arrogant words the horn was speaking. Now, the horn that's being talked about here is the Antichrist. That was a reference that's symbolic of the Antichrist. And so the Antichrist is the one that's speaking these evil things here. I watched them because the sound of the arrogant words the horn, Antichrist, was speaking as I continued watching the beast was killed and its body destroyed and given over to the burning fire. Praise the Lord. As for the rest of the beasts, their authority to rule was removed, but an extension of life was granted to them for a certain period of time. I continue watching in the night visions. And I saw one like a son of man coming with the clouds of heaven. That's Jesus. He approached the Ancient of Days and was escorted before him. He was given authority to rule and glory and a kingdom so that those of every people, nation, and language should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away, and his kingdom is one that will not be destroyed. Amen. That's good news. 
That's good news. This beast that comes and makes all this trouble and tries to wage war against the saints of Jesus Christ, we see in the book of Daniel that he will be stripped of his power, that he will be cast into the lake of fire. And that one who comes, who is like the Son of Man, that is Jesus Christ, and approaches the Ancient of Days, that is God Himself, here we see God's plan coming to take place. And Jesus Christ, who gained the victory through His death and resurrection on the cross, and Jesus Christ will sit on the throne, and He will be a righteous ruler, and His dominion will never, ever end. His kingdom will be forever. And the one, the beast, who caused the trouble, it seemed like his kingdom would never end. He will be defeated by Jesus Christ. And that gives us reason to rejoice. And we need to be ready, church, for whatever may come our way. But we also need to be reminded continually that Jesus Christ is victorious. The devil will offer you all kind of shortcuts. He will offer you all kind of fast-acting solutions to live for him, to live in sin, to tell you that everything is going to be better. But God's Word tells us to stand firm in the midst of adversity, in the midst of trial, to repent of our sin and trust in the Lord. And He will give us long-lasting rewards and encouragement encouragement and peace and joy and comfort because Jesus Christ has won the victory. You have a choice to make. You have a choice to make. You can either uh, accept what the beast, what the Antichrist, what the devil is trying to tell you and experience God's wrath or you can accept what God is telling you and experience the beast's wrath. We as Christians, we face hard times. The devil brings them on us all the time. But when we trust God's Word, we have some security there. But you have a choice to make. You are not victorious in your sin, but you are victorious in Jesus Christ. And when you come to Him and ask Him to be your Lord and Savior and forgive you of your sins, you receive that victory that only He can give. Have you experienced that today? Let's pray. God, we come to You this morning and, man, what some heavy stuff. What a lot of stuff, God, that You have placed for us to... to, to to think about this morning. God, we thank you for your words and we thank you for giving us some understanding of some of these things so that we can be prepared for whatever you may bring our way in the future. And God, I pray that you would help us as Christians to be able to stand against the tactics of the enemy that whatever he may try, that we would continue to be about your work, dear Lord. That we would know that we have nothing to fear if our names are written in your book of life, God. That we will stand firm against the enemy. But God, I pray that if there is one in this room that has not accepted Jesus Christ, that has not accepted Him and the forgiveness that He brings, that has not acknowledged that He is your Son, that has not accepted the fact that He died on a cross and that His blood was shed so that we could be forgiven. God, I pray that if there is one in this room that does not know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, that they would ask Him into their heart today. That they would accept who He is and what He's done. That they would ask for forgiveness. That You would cleanse their sins. And that they would know that you are faithful to do that, God. So I pray that your Holy Spirit would just tug on the heart of any in this room that realizes that they're missing something, that they're living in sinfulness and they need the Savior that Jesus Christ is to forgive them. And we thank you for your words and we thank you for all you do for us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.